Well, this is our last message in this series that I've been calling Connect Heart, Soul, Mind, and Strength. We've been talking about uh, the priority of worship. And over the last few weeks, I've been sharing with you that worship, really, from the perspective of Jesus, nothing is more important in our lives than worshiping Him. And uh, I hope that by now you're getting the idea that worship is so much more than music. Uh, Worship isn't just singing songs or spending 20 minutes in a church service. Worship really encompasses every part of who we are, and everything that we are should be directed towards the Lord in worship. And I want us to start tonight, like we have every week of this series, by reading together out loud Mark 12, 30. And it should be up there on your screen. Would you read this out loud from, for me, the words of Jesus? And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And we've talked about worshiping with our hearts. We've talked about worshiping with our souls, with our minds. If you missed any of those messages, you can catch up with us through our podcast, either on iTunes or uh, on our website. So I hope you'll do that if you've missed these. And as we together as a church orient ourselves towards worship. Tonight we're going to talk about strength. And I want to define that word for you. Uh, The New Testament was written in the Greek language, and sometimes we find that these words uh, have a little bit different meaning than English words in the English translations. This one really uh, is not that different, though, from English. Strength is a very strange Greek word. I can't really say it. I-S-C-H-Y-S. I clicked on the little translator tool on my computer that tells you how to say it, and it's something like, yes, or something like that. So uh, I won't make you repeat that with me, but uh, I'm not Greek. But it means ability or force, strength or might. And when you see that English word strength, we, we would probably define it similarly. Uh, but we could go on to define it in a sentence or, or, or a fragment of a sentence this way. Uh, strength is the physical aspect of human existence. So when Jesus says that uh, we worship God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he's saying that we're worshiping him with our physical existence. Jibber, you want to go ahead and go to that next slide, if you would? Thank you. (laughs) That's okay. So there's the definition for you. Uh, and, and, And we want to talk tonight about worshiping God with our physical self with our physical self. Let me, let me give you a couple of verses that uh, use the word strength in the Bible that might illustrate what this word means. Proverbs twenty twenty nine says, the glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. All right? And, and so I'm working hard at prolonging my glory and putting off the splendor as much as possible. Um, Sam just did away with the splendor and just lost all his hair altogether. So no, no glory, no splendor, either one. You're just, you're just out of luck there, Sam. <laughs> Isaiah 40 says this, and this is a cool verse. Many of you know this. They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And, and here, it's not just talking about if I'm discouraged, if I'm down, if I, if I feel bad, if I go to prayer, God will make me feel better. This isn't necessarily talking just about that. It's talking about physical strength here because look at how it it finishes. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall what? 
run and not be weary. They shall what? Walk and not faint. It's talking about this physicality of our existence. And so when Jesus tells us to worship him with all of our strength, it's talking about physical worship before the Lord. I want to just quickly summarize uh, our, our four messages and these ideas of worshiping with these four aspects of our humanity with a chart that's in your notes. And if you're taking notes, you might want to fill this chart in. And uh, it, it looks like this. Uh, those four biblical terms, heart, soul, mind, and strength, refer to human traits and a response in worship. And so uh, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write these down. When we talk about heart, we're talking about our volitions or what we choose. We talked about that that first week, that, that when we worship with all of our heart, we are choosing, we are willing to worship. When we talk about worshiping with all of our soul, it's an emotional worship. It's what we feel. And we talked about how regardless of what you're going through, you can bring your emotions to God. It's not that we're trying to conjure up emotions or trying to develop some sort of an emotional thing to God. But if you are going through emotional times, you come, bring it to the Lord, and turn it into worship. When we talk about worshiping Him with the mind, we're talking about our intellectual worship, what we think. And last week I shared with you that when we become Christians, when we're following Christ, it doesn't mean that we just turn our brains off. Uh, Some religions tell you to just follow the rules and don't ask questions. Like my German teacher, I I think I shared this with you, who said, when I asked questions, he said, Russell, stop asking questions and just talk German. And uh, it's not like that when you come come to Christ. He created us with minds that are capable of inquiring and learning and developing. And, and there are good answers to our questions. And so uh, our, our minds are a part of our worship response, what we think. And then tonight, as we talk about strength, the human trait is the physical. And it's involving what we do. What we do in worship. Uh, our bodies are created with all kinds of senses. And you probably learned this in first or second grade, that we have the sense of sight, the sense of smell, the sense of hearing, the sense of taste, the sense of touch. Our bodies are just riddled with nerves from head to toe. We have all kinds of senses and, and, and emotions and, and those kinds of things. And, and, and God wants these things to be engaged in worship because sense is a part of everything we do. On Saturday, Chris and I had my sister and my niece visiting us. My niece is uh, thinking about coming to MSU next fall, so she was down here to get a campus tour and all that kind of stuff. And in the evening, Chris was making Mexican food for us, which is always a good thing. And I was trying to help by cleaning up the kitchen a little bit, and there were some sharp objects in the sink. And as I was scrubbing and washing, I took a big slice out of the tip of my middle finger. And... uh, my senses came alive in that moment, and I swear that thing went almost to the bone. I could feel it just go deep, and my finger begins spurting blood and, and just spraying all over the kitchen as I was waving it around. Okay, I'm exaggerating just a little bit, but um, it, it, it hurt. It hurt a lot, and, and my first response was to yell very loudly, and of course, everybody in the room perks to attention, and Chris is making meatballs for her Mexican meatball soup, and she's got her hands in this raw meat all worked up, you know, and, and I've got a bleeding severed limb, and uh, I, want her to, um, I want her to put a Band-Aid on my finger, and 
you know, I just wanted some, some mothering, I guess, is what I wanted. And, and I looked at Chris, and, and she just said, my, my hands are full. And, and so she was not going to help me at all. And, and I'll tell you, my finger hurt. I was, I was injured. And then my feelers got hurt, and so I behaved badly. <laughs> I asked Chris if I could tell you what, what I did, and she said, no, people need to respect me. So I won't tell you... Uh, what I did, but I behaved badly. And I later had to apologize to everyone in the room because I behaved badly. And, and these things happen, don't they? Because, because we have senses and we have feelings, uh, both physical feelings and emotional feelings. And, and sometimes I think what happens with us as human beings, as Christians, is we, we associate our hearts and our minds, our souls, that interior part of us, we associate that with virtue. And because sometimes we behave badly with our bodies, we feel like our bodies really aren't worthy of worship of the Lord. And so we cut them off. Uh, we compartmentalize our lives in a lot of ways, don't we? And we feel like this physical aspect of us is just not as holy to present to the Lord. Or uh, lots of men, I think, sometimes compartmentalize their lives into family life. I'm dad, I'm husband. And, and I'm a son to my mom and dad. And then here I've got my work life where I have to climb the corporate ladder and I want to step on everybody I can step on. I'm going to be a ruthless man to make all the money I can make. And then I'm going to have my spiritual life where I come to church on Sunday morning and sit in a chair and wear my halo and look all pious and perfect. And then I've got my private life over here that nobody knows about where... Uh, I really would be pretty ashamed if anybody knew how I behaved over in this compartment. And we put up these walls between our different selves, and what happens is we cut off whole, whole parts of our lives from really worshiping God. And what the Bible teaches us is that we are not a bunch of compartments. We're not a, a collection of pieces and parts. We are one whole being. And when Jesus tells us to worship God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, heart, soul, mind, and strength, he's saying worship God with everything you are, including this physical part that sometimes behaves badly. This part, this body needs to be submitted to the worship of God. And here's what I want you to write down at the bottom of your cards if you're taking notes. Truly spiritual worship is not divorced from the physical. And I think it's so important that we learn this. Truly spiritual worship is not divorced from the physical. Every part of who we are comes to the Lord in worship, including the physical. In fact, I actually believe that when we engage ourselves in physical worship before the Lord, we actually experience God more completely. We get to know Him in a, in a more complete way. So tonight, I just want to throw out the question to you, and if you're a friend on Facebook, you can weigh in on the conversation. Some people have already started posting this afternoon. Uh, are you one of those people that compartmentalizes yourself? Or are you a person that really has presented all of yourself to God? Uh, are, are, are you a person that comes to God with your heart and you love Jesus, but worshiping Him physically has not yet really been something you're comfortable to do. I'd love to know what you think about that issue. Dallas Willard said this, For good or for evil, 
The body lies right at the center of the spiritual life. And I think that he's right. For good or for evil, the the body lies right at the center of the spiritual life. Now, what I want us to do tonight is I I want us to go to some of the stories in the Bible and some of the different uh, verses that the Bible has to talk about this physical worship. And and I want to just suggest to you today that one of the reasons that it's so important for us to worship God physically is because God revealed himself to us physically. Over the last several weeks, I've been talking about worship being uh, God's revelation and then our response. And tonight I want to start off by talking about the ways that God has revealed himself to us physically, and then we'll talk about how we respond to him physically, because they correlate. So here's the first thing. God has always engaged people's senses. He always has. If you think back to the very beginning, uh, the book of Genesis, and you could look up these stories if you wanted to, you could think about Noah. And, and he had ridden the ark through the destruction of the earth by flood. And when it was all over, God gave him this physical sign in the sky that was a rainbow. And God made the promise, I will never destroy the earth again. And that rainbow is a reminder to Noah that, that God will be faithful to his promise. And I don't know about you, but whenever I see a rainbow, I always stop and reflect that God is faithful. God keeps his promises. That's a, a physical revelation of the faithfulness of God. And, and God revealed himself through those senses of sight for Noah. Uh, Abraham had his own revelation and and it's a little difficult to talk about, but the revelation to Abraham was the revelation of circumcision, engaging people's senses. I don't imagine that any of those men were very excited about that sense that God was bringing, but this was a physical revelation from the Lord, a reminder that they were set apart from other people. When Moses went up on the mountain, he climbed the mountain, met with the Lord, and he was there, and God revealed the law, the Ten Commandments, all that kind of stuff. And you've seen the movie, Charleston Heston comes down the mountain. And it wasn't that God just spoke to Moses and told him right from wrong. What did he do? He gave him tablets of stone with the law written on them. It was something physical. It was something that he could sense, hold, and see, and touch. Aaron was given the responsibility of offering animal sacrifices in the tabernacle. It was a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Jesus. And, and these things all engaged people's senses. And then Jesus came. His name, one of his names, was Emmanuel, God with us. And here's what I love about Jesus. The meaning of Jesus coming was that God didn't just tell us about himself, but he showed us himself. And I think that's so cool. God didn't just tell us about himself. He showed us himself. In fact, here's, here's something that, that we can read from 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says this, Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body. He was vindicated by the Spirit. And then look at this. He was seen by angels. Now, when I think about angels... I sometimes think about these disembodied spirits that inhabit the spirit realm, right? But evidently, angels have eyes. They can see, they can sense, and they saw Jesus. And so it was a physical thing. He was announced to the nations. He was believed on throughout the world. And it was taken to heaven in glory. 
This is who Jesus was. In fact, if you think about it, Jesus had his entire existence on this earth in a physical body. It was the revelation of God to mankind. He was born like every one of us were born, except that his mother was a virgin. He lived his life walking and talking and teaching and going through all the things. The Bible tells us that Jesus experienced everything we experienced. He got tired and he slept. He got hungry. He ate food. If he overate, he got a tummy ache. And if he uh, didn't wash his hands, he'd get a virus. And uh, Jesus had all these kinds of things. I, I imagine, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I imagine Jesus had to go to the bathroom. And he was just like we are. In fact, that's one of the things I want to talk about to God when I get to heaven is why he couldn't come up with a better way of getting rid of the extra stuff that's just not one of my favorite parts of life. But, but nonetheless, Jesus experienced all of that stuff. And then he died this criminal's death on the cross. Uh, anthropologists tell us that crucifixion was one of the most cruel forms of death, horrifying death. It was a sacrifice for our sins. And then his resurrection was a physical resurrection. Now, I think this is something that's kind of cool. When Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible goes out of its way to point out to us that he was really alive. Jesus appeared to the disciples and he said, Here, touch my hands. Put your hand in my wounds and see that I am really alive. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. I'm alive. And one of the things that theologians have grappled with is some of the stories about Jesus after the resurrection that say that he could walk through walls or walk through closed doors. And and people have said, well, that seems to imply that he's a spirit, that he wasn't really physical. I ran across this this week. I think this is fascinating. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that the fact that Jesus could pass through walls or doors is evidence that he was actually more physical than before the resurrection. And he gives us this example. A rock, a solid rock put into a body of water will sink to the bottom. It will pass through that which is less physical, less dense than itself. And C.S. Lewis said that Jesus was actually more physical than everything else on this earth after the resurrection, not less. He was the physical revelation of who God is. And this is why we're called to worship God in a physical way. Romans 8.3 says this, The law of Moses was unable to save us, because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. God didn't just tell us about Himself. He actually showed us Himself in Jesus. Now, This still happens today. I've been thinking back this week about the times when God has showed himself to me. When I've had those experiences that were so physical that I knew that God was real and that God was interacting with me. I was thinking back to, uh, I think it was my junior high years, 
when I was first going to a youth camp up in Glacier Park, and some of you have been to that youth camp up there. And, uh, and I can remember going forward at the end of the service and praying and crying out to God. And I can remember one particular night when the Lord baptized me in the Holy Spirit and gave me the prayer language that the New Testament talks about. Uh, the Bible calls it speaking in tongues or praying in mysteries, a language that we don't understand. And I can remember that night being so overwhelmed by the presence of God and so overwhelmed by the reality of Him coming in and changing me and giving me this miraculous prayer language that I could worship Him in. It changed me forever. It's one of those moments in my life that's like a milepost that I point to and say, that is one of the times when I discovered that God was real because He revealed Himself to me in a physical way. I think back to a time when I was in Bible college and I was in a church service one night and I had gone forward again in prayer and I was kneeling down and I was praying and in that moment, wasn't expecting it, wasn't seeking it, but in that moment I remember hearing God speak to me as clearly as if He was standing right next to me speaking with an out loud voice. It was another one of those times when God revealed Himself to me so clearly that it completely affirmed who he was. He physically revealed himself to me. I've had experiences in my body when I've been prayed for and God has healed me miraculously. No, no medicine, no doctors, no help. He doesn't do it every time I pray. I don't know why. I wish he would. But there have been instances in my life when God has broken into my life and he's shown himself to be real on a physical level. This is one of the things that God does. And the reason we worship Him with our physical bodies is because He reveals Himself in physical ways. Here's one of the last things that I want you to write on your, on your note cards tonight. If Jesus revealed Himself in a physical body, and if His death and resurrection redeemed our physical bodies, how can we reject the call to worship Him with our whole bodies. We just can't reject the call when He has been so faithful to send Jesus, redeem this body that we live in. How can we say no to worshiping Him physically? Look at Romans 8.1. I mentioned this verse last week. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Paul is saying here, that one of the best ways we can worship Him is to give Him our bodies, our whole bodies. There's all kinds of people throughout the Bible that talked about worshiping God physically. In Deuteronomy 9, we see Moses going up on the mountain of God. This is the time when he received the tablets of stone with the law written on them. And Moses tells us in his own words that he was there for 40 days and 40 nights and he didn't eat anything. He was fasting. It's a form of worship. It's a spiritual discipline that Moses practiced in his relationship with God. Ezekiel, the great prophet of the Old Testament... Uh, tells us that when he experienced the presence of God in a very physical, revelatory way, he fell down on his face and cried out with a loud voice. He just fell in the presence of God. 
Uh, John tells us in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, uh, again, when he saw Jesus, he fell down on his, on his face like he was dead. It was kind of this uh, response to the revelation of, of, the, of the glory of God that just seems almost involuntary. In fact, uh, a few years ago, Chris and I had the chance to go down to Florida to the Brownsville Revival, and I know some of you have been there or you've heard about it. And while we were down there, we, we had a lot of teaching about what was going on in this revival. And one of the things that was very typical there was that when people would worship and when they would sense the presence of God in the room, they would fall down. And there was a lot of controversy in the Christian community about, you know, was God really pushing them down or were people pushing them down? And why do you need catchers if, you know, if God is really doing it? And, and I remember the pastor there just saying very simply, the reason we fall is because we can't stand up. And uh, it's not necessarily that God is pushing us or that, you know, anything like that is happening, but when we experience the revelation of God, our response sometimes is that our knees just buckle and we fall. And that's okay. It's not necessarily that God is doing it. It's our response to the revelation of who He is. It's a physical response. In the Psalms, we're commanded to worship God physically. Uh, Psalm 47.1 is a great one. It says, Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. I love this one. All right? It, now, now look, it, it doesn't say, Clap your hands, those of you that are overly exuberant, and the rest of you sit and fold your hands and be reverent. Okay? It doesn't say that. It says, Clap your hands, who? All people, clap your hands. That's something that we're commanded to do in worship. And then he says, shout to God with what kind of songs? Loud songs of joy. Loud songs. I I want you to know tonight that worship ought to be loud and it ought to be big and it ought to be exuberant. And I told the group this morning, you guys have never complained about the music being too loud, but sometimes on Sunday mornings we get a few people complaining and I didn't mean to be snarky, but I said, if the music's too loud, just sing louder to cover it up, all right? Because then we're worshiping the way that that we're commanded to do. I, I, I love this part of of worship, this physical part and this exuberant part, even though it goes a little against some of our natures. As we come into the Christmas season, I have to tell you, one of my favorite things about Christmas is the fact that when you go out shopping, there's Christmas carols being played in positively every public place you go. I love this. And sometimes it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and sometimes it's Away in the Manger, or O Holy Night, or good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give ye heed to what we say, news, news. Christ the Lord is born today. I get, I'm, I'm getting them now, I get goosebumps up and down my arms when I'm in a public place and I hear the worship of Jesus being played. And it only happens for these six or seven weeks every year, but it just, it just cranks me up because it's, it's worship in a place like this. It's worship in Walmart. And, and, and I, I just think that as Christians, when that happens, we can become involved and our thoughts can turn to Jesus. We can stop and pause and say, we worship you, Jesus. What an honor it is to worship you in a public place. I came across this video that I want you to see. 
Uh, I came across it this week, and it, it was just shot a few weeks ago, and it's so cool. Uh, the Philadelphia Opera Company uh, decided to hold this public event. It was not announced. It wasn't uh, advertised. They just took 300 opera singers to Macy's and this giant pipe organ, and I want you to see what happens. Okay, watch this.
Now, could you see that placard that was being held up there at the end? It said, a random act of culture, which I think is what some people were trying to do, is just culture the masses. What was really happening was a random act of worship. And this is what I'm talking about, about Christmas time. There's random acts of worship happening all over this town, all over this nation, through these next six weeks. And can we, as Christ followers, participate by turning our hearts to worship and loving Jesus whenever you hear songs like this? Can you imagine being in that store when 300 people were singing King of Kings and Lord of Lords? It moves me. Psalm 95.6 says this. Here's another way we can worship God with our bodies. It says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And as much as our loud, exuberant worship pleases God, so does our humble, quiet, kneeling, uh, quieting ourselves before the Lord give Him honor. Psalm 134 says, Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, and stand by night in the house of the Lord. Standing can be an act of worship. In fact, uh, some of you are aware that whenever the Hallelujah Chorus is sung, it is traditional to stand because that music is so majestic and so worshipful. And the first time that was performed in England, the crowd... uh, spontaneously rose to their feet and it's been tradition ever since then that that the the listeners will stand during that triumphant uh that music i have to tell you i i said that this morning uh in our service and after our service when we were praying together a woman came up to me and she was trembling all over and she said pastor russ i have to tell you when we were watching that video i felt everything in me prompting me to stand but nobody else was standing so i didn't And then she said, when you said that, that it's tradition to stand, it was like God just slapped me upside the head and said, worship me when you feel prompted to worship. And I prayed with her, and and I think something changed in her this morning. She's morphing into a heart, soul, mind, and strength worshiper. When we submit ourselves, when we submit our bodies to the exuberant worship of God, it brings Him such joy, such pleasure. Uh, That verse from Psalm 134 goes on to say, Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. And if you have time this week, you could go to 2 Samuel chapter 6 and read the story about David who danced so vigorously before the Lord that his wife decided that he was a ridiculous fool and she told him so. And you know what he said to her? He said, I will be even more undignified than this if it will bring pleasure and honor to my God. And this is the kind of worship that God calls us to. Not this appropriate, quiet, reserved worship. He calls us to worship Him heart, soul, mind, and with these bodies that have been redeemed. And so tonight, I want to invite you to worship along with me. We're going to wrap this up and just spend some time in the presence of the Lord and we're going to worship Him with our bodies. Four ways. And we're going to just leave this tonight uh, to be a little bit unstructured and uh, give you the freedom to move around this room and worship Him as you would like to. But I have four things that I want you to participate in. Uh, And these people are moving because they're getting our props ready. Okay? Okay. 
first of all, uh, the first thing we're going to do is just worship the Lord in giving. I talked about this a few weeks ago, that, that when we give offerings and when we give our tithes, it's an act of worship. It's not paying our dues, it's an act of worship. So we're going to pass the baskets, and if you'll also grab your blue connection cards, will you throw those in the baskets at the same time? And then uh, when you're done worshiping with, with offerings and, and with your tithes, what I want to invite you to do tonight and, and I know these floors are hard, but if you are physically able, and if you're comfortable doing this, would you just take a few moments to bow on your knees and worship the Lord together? The band's going to come in just a moment, and they're going to lead us in a couple of quiet, beautiful songs. And I just want to ask you, will you spend some time on your knees before the Lord? And if you're not physically able to do that, that's okay. Uh, just uh, take some kind of posture that will help you to communicate physically to the Lord uh, what is in your heart, your heart of worship and love for Him. And then the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to share in communion together tonight. And again, I want to engage our senses in worship. And, and, and sometimes we do worship with the little crackers and the tiny little bottles of juice, but tonight I want you to have a sense of how generous the sacrifice of Jesus is. So we're doing what I'm calling sensory overload communion. We've got big chunks of bread, and we've got big glasses of juice. And as you take the bread, Chris is bringing it out. It's just right up here. It's going to be self-serve. So when you're ready, just go up and help yourself to a piece of bread. Help yourself to a cup. And, And I'd like you to pray and ask Jesus to come and be present in that communion. I had a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, a new friend, who's a member of a different denomination. And we were talking about, uh, about communion, and he said, you know, you guys believe that communion is an ordinance, meaning that the bread and the cup are symbols. He said, we believe that communion is a sacrament. And I said, so do you believe that, that uh, the bread turns into the body and the blood of Jesus? And he said, no, I don't believe that. But I believe that it's more than a symbol. I believe that when we take communion... Christ is physically present with us. And I said, I believe that too. This is a really holy thing when we receive communion. And so I want to encourage you, pray that Jesus will come and be present. And then when you eat that bread, taste the bread, taste the cup, and enjoy the presence of Jesus as you eat and invite him into you. And then the last thing that we're going to do, and you can do these in any order, except the offering, that's going to be first. But Chris and I are going to be available up here in front, and I have little bottles of fragrant anointing oil. Uh, This anointing oil was prepared with the same spices that the worshipers in the Old Testament would use when they would come into the temple. And we're going to anoint your head, and we're going to anoint your hands, and we're going to slather this on so you smell really good. And tonight I hope that when you go home, You will smell these spices and it will remind you that the Spirit of God is in you and He's around you. He anoints you. He fills you. He baptizes you. He heals you. And and we would just be so honored to be able to pray with you if you would like prayer and you would like to be anointed with oil for any reason tonight. Um, So that's what we're going to do. Does that all make sense? And uh, we're just going to ask the Lord to bless this time of worship. Uh, the baskets will go, and then you can bow, you can receive communion, you can receive prayer, and you can be free to go anytime you're ready to go. But I hope you will spend some time engaging your body in worship. Jesus, 
Thank you for loving us so perfectly. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and revealing God to us uh, through, you, through yourself. You, you came to show us who God is. And Jesus, we just love you so much. We want to return to you the honor that you deserve. We want to worship you, Lord, heart, soul, mind, and strength. May we glorify you and bring you joy and honor and pleasure tonight. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.